Hey everyone, welcome back to Thoughtful Intentions. I'm your host, Fiona Winch, and today's guest is Wendy Behar. Wendy is a licensed therapist and author who has been sober for more than 23 years. There have been many twists and turns in her life that have inspired her to share resources and personal stories in order to empower all women, especially millennial women. Married at 22, raising two children in an abusive family with an unsupportive spouse, divorcing, going to grad school at 40, and caring for sick parents are only a few of the challenges she's faced. Her goal is to help women conquer their fears and learn to live a more authentic life. In her book, Hashtag Your Rules Your Life, she discusses what she wished she had known when she was younger. Her goal is to empower others to improve by prioritizing their needs. For daily inspiration, follow her on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Her name is spelled Wendy, W-E-N-D-Y, Behar, B-E-H-A-R. So hi, Wendy. Thank you for being here Hi. Today. Hi, it's thanks nice for asking you. me. Yeah, of course. Yes, I, you too. <laughs> I have to say, um, I was thinking about the first time we chatted, and it was before your book came out, and I was in the middle of um, kind of a personal crisis deciding what to do career-wise, And after getting off the phone with you, I was just so happy. Like you just brought so much light and um, good energy into my decision. And I felt so much more confident about um, my choice to do more of what I was passionate about. So I'm really glad that uh, we could do this. And I have now read your book twice and both times. Oh, I-, <laughs> I loved it. I, I, I read it, of course, when it first came out. And then I read it again yesterday just to refresh my memory. But um, I, I just think it's fabulous. So I'm really excited about this. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And I'm very proud of you that you followed your heart. And thank you're doing you. what you were meant to do. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's awesome. It's it's tough. I mean, I know that you work a lot with millennial women, so I'm sure I'm not the first person to be in this boat, but um deciding to trust your gut is is it takes practice, I think, you know. Yes, it does. It's a lifetime practice. I'm still working on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I would love to hear about kind of the challenges you faced, how achieving and maintaining sobriety, navigating an abusive family and getting divorced have changed your life and uh, kind of the road to even writing this book in the first place. Okay, well, um, I guess uh, it all started, believe it or not, you know, being 14 years old, you know, and drinking with friends and progressing you know, until um, I guess I was 35 and I came into the rooms of AA. You know, my husband and I would drink and it wasn't that we drank all day. Mm-hmm. I was very responsible. My children, you know, were seven and nine when I just started to get sober. And uh, my husband didn't want to come along for the ride. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess like my bottom is when I really hit bottom was when we were at a wedding with my children and I drank too much. And I don't remember what I said or what I did. I was in a blackout and my husband cried for the first time. I never saw him cry because he was a macho guy. Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, please get help. So the next day my parents took me to an AA meeting Mm -hmm. and I never even heard about AA. But that night, I actually, I think it was a God thing that I opened up the yellow pages. If those of you don't know what a yellow pages were, <laughs> that was how you look things up instead of Google and Siri, you know, sure, sure. went in there and I saw AA, you know, and I went 
And I was going to meetings ever since. And it was very, very challenging, very difficult, especially my husband would still drink at night. You know, we never drank during the day. Even when I was on vacation, I never drank during the day. You know, I was a functioning quote unquote alcoholic, mm-hmm. like many of my clients are. And I would challenge them and say, oh, you're functioning, but are you functioning to your full potential? Right. And that's the thing. And I wasn't, I always wanted to go back to graduate school, got married at 22. And in those days we got married early and that's what I was supposed to do. That was my role. Mm-hmm. You know, my mother was like, yes, you'll get married. You know, I graduated from college, from Hofstra university with a degree in psychology. And I was planning on getting married to my husband at the time at 23. And in my mind, I was going back to graduate school to become a licensed therapist. Mm. But he was like, no, 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 no. So I was people pleasing or I had no self-esteem. I listened to what he said. Oh, you were just going to have children. Why waste your time going to school? You know, well, at 35, you know, when I came in the rooms, is um, rooms of AA is when I started learning about myself and to build up my self-esteem. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. Um, I I did notice in your book when you mentioned uh, having your first kid at 26 and and me being 25, just just imagining that. I I don't even know how to take care of myself well enough to do that. So I I can't even imagine um, the position you were in, especially at 22 and thereafter. Um, I'm sure you had a, that vision for your life that you mentioned, and you use this metaphor in the book a lot of uh, changing the dance steps and how mm-hmm. um, changing the steps, if, if I might read a quote here, let it be known that once you start to change for the better, people will be confused. They will not understand how and why the dance has changed, and they, as a result, will be uncomfortable with it, which I just think really hit for me because even as a person speaking at 25, um, I don't know that the concept of potentially my friends changing or my perception of myself or, or other people's perception of me changing is, is intimidating, you know? Yes, it is. It's, it's very challenging, you know, because my parents raised me actually to be a people pleaser. Mm-hmm. So for me to raise children, that's what I was raised to do to take care of others. I took care of my parents as well, emotionally being an only child. And I talk about that a little bit in my book, you know, but changing the dance steps, my mom didn't like it. And she was jealous of my sponsor because in AA, you have a sponsor, you call them every day. And she was like my sober mom. Mm -hmm. You know, I I adored my mom, you know, Phyllis, my mom, Phyllis Pattinger, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, but um, yeah, mom, because she's in heaven. (laughs) So I have to say, I love you, mom, (laughs) you know, but um, yeah, you know, yeah. So I'm just like thinking, you know, the dance step, she didn't like it. She was jealous. She didn't like that. I was talking to her every day. My husband didn't know what to do with me. You know, like if you're doing the waltz with someone Mm -hmm. for many, many years, and then I start doing the tango and they're still doing the waltz. You're too young for that to understand what this is, but they're different dances. No, yeah, yeah, I know. You get it? I don't yeah, know. Yeah. You're 25, <laughs> yeah. right? But, um, and they don't know what to do with you and they start acting out and they get angry and it's really hard to stay true yeah. to you because other people aren't going to like it. Well, I feel you know, like it must be especially challenging within a family dynamic because we all have these roles that you kind of 
have since childhood and and there are certain expectations that come along with those roles and I noticed in your book as well that you were nicknamed Smiley so I imagine that um that must have had some impact on how you felt the need to present yourself to the world and to your family if that yes it's so true exactly and it's funny because when I first came into the rooms of um AA Mm -hmm. Um, a woman came over to me who ended up being my sponsor and she gave me a book and she said, this is a really good book for you. It's called, of course, you're angry. I'm like me angry. I'm always smiling. What are you talking about? Because on the outside, Mm -hmm. I look that way. And I always talk about this little model to have your outsides and insides match. I talk about it, you know, on Instagram and Facebook, I post every day, Mm -hmm. all the things that I have learned that have been so helpful, like catchy little phrases but they reinforce it. Yes. I want my outsides and insides to match. So if I'm sad, it's okay to cry. That's how I'm going to grow. I need to feel my feelings, you know, Mm -hmm. feel them, deal with them in a healthy way, not drinking, drugging, you know, eating, you know, and then you could actually heal. You know, you have to heal all that stuff, not to pretend. And I was pretending for a very long time. That, I mean, that also, I think comes with a a scary uh choice to admit to yourself that there this needs to be addressed like it it sounds all great on the other side but even like getting to the point where you're ready to admit to yourself that um there's a change that you want to make that that feels quite scary to me you know um and especially without the the guidance Mm -hmm. too if you feel like you're Mm -hmm. not uh, if you don't have the proper guidance to navigate that change that, I mean, it seems. Well, that's why I talk terrifying. about support. You know, it's interesting because I was in therapy, you know, before I came into the rooms and that's why I really advocate you have to know and go to the right therapist mm-hmm. because I went to this therapist and I would say, oh, I'm drinking vodka at night. You know, when my kids would go to bed. I would just guzzle vodka, mm-hmm. you know? And she goes, oh, that's okay. You know, you're stressed. That's okay. Mm. And it wasn't okay. Right. You know, um, and that was kept on happening, you know, and sometimes I could drink a lot and be fine. Mm-hmm. Other days, you don't know who you were going to get like a Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. You know, so um, yeah, what you're saying is so true. It's really hard and you need support. Yeah. And I don't know about in um, everyone's community, but I feel like especially in the community that I grew up in and just how um, taboo drinking is, especially when you're young, you know, and, and these, I don't, it, it kind of, it's kind of like one of those topics that a lot of people don't want to talk about or don't want to address or don't know how to address in a way that is not judgmental. You know, I think there's so Mm -hmm. much judgment around it that it becomes hard to talk about and like hard to know how to talk about. Yes, it is. That's why, you know, even if somebody just went to like a zoom meeting right now, you know, we have zoom meetings. We don't Mm -hmm. see people, you know, on live and there's so much information going to zoom meeting. You could just listen. You don't even have to show your face Mm -hmm. and just listen. And they say, take what you like and leave the rest. Look, you know, the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, there are so many other anonymous programs, emotions, anonymous, eating, mm. you know, um, anonymous, 
nicotine anonymous, relationship anonymous. You know, it's filling the hole in your soul with outside things. And there are 12 steps, just coping skills. Yeah. Really simply that I didn't learn because my parents, you know, like to drink. Mm-hmm. We were very close. We were enmeshed. I talk about that in my book. Mm-hmm. There were no boundaries. I didn't know what boundaries were. Right. You know, and my goal, the reason I'm sharing it is because I want to help people. Right. You know, it's not a stigma. You know what? It takes strength to ask for help, to mm-hmm. admit that you have a problem and take care of yourself. And you know what? It takes like a village for someone to grow up, you know, when you grow up in an alcoholic home and to make changes and really supportive friends are really important. Who you're hanging out with? Who are your friends? Do they lift you up or do they bring you down? Right, right. Yeah, and, and acknowledging that there will be people that can lift you up if that is not the case yet, you know. Yes, that you a, have to just seek it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that there's a, a, a more positive community out there for you, even if it doesn't seem like it at the time. Um, it's it's all of like a coming of age kind of anxiety, I think. Um, well, I am so grateful for the work that you've done so far helping others and especially helping millennial women. And through this book, I just, um, I think a lot of the takeaways were so universal, regardless of what people are challenged with or struggle with. Did you think that you would go back to grad school after being married, even though this was a part of your initial vision? Definitely not. I had, I gave that up and I was just going to be, you know, stay at home mom, take care of my children. You know, prior to that, I was doing real estate and I was doing some retail before I had my children, but I had no idea, you know, Changing one thing, which was alcohol, changed my whole life. Wow. It's amazing. When you change one thing, all the things, the domino effect of what can happen by just being healthy and making the right healthy choices. Wow. Wow. That's that's incredible. And then mm-hmm. what inspired you to write the book? How did that come about? Well, it's really interesting because I was working in the field for 15 years, you know, addiction, and I'm a licensed, you know, social worker, like you mentioned, and I would run groups and my groups would say, Wendy, we love your mottos. You should write a book. And I would laugh. Yeah, one day, one day, you know, so 15 years running, you know, three hour groups, three times a week. And I kept on hearing it. And then my daughter, Jenna, and my son, Michael, who are millennials, Mm-hmm. My son will be 33 on Tuesday and my daughter will be 30 on the 5th of June. And their friends would always ask me, Wendy, can you like teach us how to meditate? Mm-hmm. I love that you're sober and you're dancing and crazy because they wouldn't <laughs> believe me. Like we want what Wendy's drinking. You know, right. we would go out and I would dance like a crazy person because that's who I am. I love having fun. Mm-hmm. And just because I gave up drinking doesn't mean I can't have fun. You know, mm-hmm. in the beginning, it, it's hard. Because, oh, you know, dancing for the first time without, you know, alcohol. But I am more wild than my kids, you know, (laughs) and I have the best time. Mm -hmm. So they always, they motivated me and my children, you know, and their friends, you know, I I saw like would always come to me with help. They were confused. I'm like, stay true to you, you know, do what you need to do. Say no. You know, I'm working with millennials Mm -hmm. now and they're like, oh, I hear you in my head. I look at your posts every day to remind me to say no. No is a complete sentence, you know, or I'll get back to you. 
It's okay mm-hmm. to say to somebody, I'll get back to you instead of impulsively saying yes. Like I would do that. I'll right. say yes. And then I'm like, oh, why did I do that? I said yes, because I was in a good mood that day. Sure, <laughs> and sure. then when the day comes, I'm like, oh no, why did I do that? I'm overwhelmed, you know? Mm-hmm. So learning all those, those tools are really important, you yeah. know, and I see how millennials, you know, could use that. <laughs> so then all and of then this the- support really like pushed you into actually doing the book. Yes. That's it motivated me. You know, motivated. It's interesting too. You know, my grandmother, she passed away at 107, really a week shy of her 108th birthday in August. Oh, wow. And August 1st is when, you know, I actually, you know, started to really work on the book to put it out there because I knew if she read the book, she would not be happy because she was such a private person. Mm-hmm. So now she's in heaven saying, Wendy, <laughs> what'd you do? You told all our secrets in your sure. book. <laughs> you know, so yeah. it was like interesting how that all fell into place, you know, also because of COVID, you know, when I wasn't actually in the office, I was doing Zoom, you know, facilitating groups. And on August 1st, too, I, you know, told my boss, too, that I'm not comfortable coming into the office. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to pursue a different career, you know, different business to help people in a different way. You've been doing set a boundary for yourself. Yes, exactly. Yes. (laughs) And what was it like to self-publish? It was challenging. You know, it it was very challenging. Um, Somebody was recommended to me to help me with the book. And she taught me a lot. Like I have learned so much about myself, Mm. you know, from writing a book. Like I didn't even realize all the emotions and feelings that would come up. You know, I go to therapy. I will always go to therapy because I always want to grow and change and learn. And that's Mm. what life is all about for me, you know, to do that. So it was challenging and a learning experience you know there were good things about it and not so good things but all those things that weren't so good is what I learned from and unfortunately yeah. most humans grow through pain you know that's how I learned the most yeah. during the painful experiences like you know educate yourself a little more don't be so impulsive you know um and you know that was it was, it was challenging, but I did it. And I can't believe I did it <laughs> I remember, you know, one day at a time. <laughs> yeah. Right. I remember you um, telling me in our initial call about um, how you recorded yourself speaking a lot of the book in order to yes, write that, it. Yes. Yes. And that was recommended by the woman that I worked with. Mm-hmm. And you know, she said, oh, if you do that, then you can write that way instead of writing so choppy. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was, a, it was very, you know, being more creative in that way. Yeah. I love that because I think a lot of people are intimidated by writing or, you know, a blank page, what to put on a blank page, but then you're speaking it all the time. So just recording yourself and then copying it down. I think that's, that was an ingenious way to do it. Yes. Yeah. She had so many great tips. Yeah. And I really, really when I was, when I was reading it, I was, I was reading it in your voice. Like I heard your voice while I was reading it. I know it's interesting that you said that because, you know, everyone that's been reading them, like, I feel like I'm with you and we're talking because when we're together, we always talk this way, you know? So, so that really did help. And I thank you, Jess, for that. She was the woman that helped me. (laughs) 
No, that's really, that's really neat. Um, so what are a few of your favorite self-help sayings, if you don't mind sharing a few? Oh, sure, sure. Well, um, number one would be self-care isn't selfish. You know, because that's what I was raised. That's what I was told. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, you're selfish if you do that. You know, if you take care of yourself first, you know, another one that I love is I love you, but I love me more, which is very powerful, mm-hmm. especially when you have children, you know, and there are certain things that are not acceptable, even, you know, with my husband, you know, I loved him, but I love myself more that I couldn't keep putting myself in positions that, you know, were emotionally harmful to me, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, that he weren't on the same page, not even in the same book anymore. Right, right. You know, that, you know, you outgrow people in life, you know, I still care about him very much, you know, but we weren't, you know, good together. And another one that I love that you hear on the airplanes all the time, the stewardess will say, put the oxygen mask on yourself first. Mm-hmm. right? Because we can't give what we don't have. Yeah. How are we supposed to give out to others if we're depleted? I know yeah. for myself and my clients, you know, when they're depleted, they get snarky, mm-hmm. you know, testy, sure. emotional, you don't make the right choices, like so resentful. And mm-hmm. then you're not even enjoying taking care of the person. Right. Because you're depleted and you feel, oh, I have to do this. It's a responsibility instead of coming from a place of love and being authentic. And um, there's one more, which I said before, which was no is a complete sentence. Right. You know, I used to always have to, and my clients would always have to explain why I can't do something. And that's the people pleasing, mm. you know, and I'll tell my clients, you can just say no. No, I'll get back to you. Or no, it's not going to work for me. My you know? brother is really good at that. He um, often will call me out for over explaining why I made a particular decision. And he'll be like, Fiona, he's younger than me, but he'll be like, Fiona, you don't, you don't owe them an explanation. You don't have to say why you chose to do this thing. And some of that comes from my own personal insecurity about whether it was the right thing or not. But also a bit of people pleasing to um, make sure others understand why I am behaving the way I am or, or choosing the things I've chosen. And uh, I don't know, getting comfortable with not owing anyone that is, it, it takes practice for me at least. And I think for most. Yes, it takes a very long time, even a lifetime. You know, we all want to feel loved We all want to feel validated. We all want to feel heard and accepted. And that's just human, you know, and that, you know, is something that we all want. We want to be understood, you know? Um, So what you're saying is so true, you know, but once we're aware of something, then we can change it. Right. You know, I mean, it sounds like you speak about all of this so eloquently and so with so much confidence um, and, I, so I imagine that like going through it at the time, you had the same kind of confidence and insight, but it, it, you must have felt differently in the moment about how all these changes and, uh, or the divorce or, or 
choices to put yourself first. I th- that couldn't have been easy, even though it sounds easy now. Definitely was not easy at all. You know, lots of tears, lots of crying, therapy, you know, recovery meetings, going to even Al-Anon, which is a support group for mm-hmm. family members that have mm-hmm. alcoholics in their home or were raised in a home. You know, a lot of work. It takes so much work for me to feel okay. You know, even in the mornings now, like I need to have my quiet space where I meditate, I journal, I do some readings with the candles and and I have my Oracle cards and I pick them for the day for the message from the universe. I pray. I mean, the more, you know, the more time I have in my life, you know, sober, the more work I need to do not less because it becomes challenging because if, you know, like attracts like, and there are not that many people that are on the same spiritual journey and it becomes challenging, you know, to to stay true to you and do the work that you need to do, you know? um, So, so you touched on a few of the self-care practices that you do on a daily basis, but can you like elaborate on those a bit if you don't mind? Oh, sure. Sure. So meditation, there are so many different meditations. You can go onto YouTube. There are so many apps that are free. Insight Timer is one of them. Mm. Calm is another one. And there's so many, you know, so like meditation helps to ground and center, clear you. And also if you need to make a decision to make the correct decision, you know, very often just breathing, you know, and just asking the universe, should I do this or should I do that? And you could even like hold your stomach and feel if you have knots with one decision or another, and that could be the message. You know, also seeing messages all over, you know, through a magazine or the television or podcast, you know, listening to podcasts and messages could come. You know, meditation also, a lot of people think, oh, meditation, you have to be quiet and still in your mind and not think, not necessarily. You know, I even tell my clients, you know what, you could have a pad and a pen next to you. You have a thought while you're breathing and meditating, even if it's for five minutes and you'll write down that thought and then you can let it go. Have you ever tried meditation yourself? I I meditate, I I listen to a guided meditation every night to fall asleep on insight timer. Um, It's my best way to fall asleep. I I am knocked out before it's over. Um, But I have wanted to carve out more time for it in my day to day. Um, And it's just for me about actually doing it instead of just talking about it, you know. That's okay. Um, You'll get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and I have gotten better, especially this year, just just because of how chaotic it was, and also how slow it was at just mm-hmm. observing my thoughts and letting them pass um, without judgment. So, in a way, that's been meditative for me. Um, like you said, it's not necessarily sitting down in silence all the time, but just when I feel low energy or whether I, or anxious or, um, Mm -hmm. any other type of way that's slightly uncomfortable, just letting it live, pass, observe it without 
concern or judgment and um um yeah that's that's hard too i mean I, I, it's easy to jump down a rabbit hole of emotions when things feel unbalanced or out of place, but um, sometimes it doesn't need to be that dramatic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. You know, that's what you were saying too, that you can do it any time of the day. Yeah. Like before I came on to this podcast, I did my meditation of grounding and centering and asked the universe to give me the words I need to say to help the most people. Mm. you know and that was my message and to ground you know um so like you said doing it at night is fabulous to do you know so that's just like one self-care you know tool to start my day also mm. another thing which I didn't mention before when I was talking about the journaling yeah which is really really important like journaling is fabulous I would say if you could do five things of gratitude every morning mm. that mm -hmm. could set your day you know, and sometimes just journaling, just to journal anything that comes to your mind, even if it doesn't make sense. Oh, the door's opening yeah. or I hear the wind, you know, just to, and to clear your head. Like I love right. doing that first thing in the morning when I have no filter and right. I can just write whatever's coming out of my mind, you just know, and then I rip it consciousness. up. <laughs> yeah. Stream of consciousness. Yeah. I rip it so nobody sees it in my house when I just <laughs> wrote, <laughs> you know, but also like an Epsom salt bath. It's mm. really great for detoxing, like a 20 minute bath. You know, they say to do it every day. You know, I don't know if, you know, everybody could do that every day, mm -hmm. but that is really a good thing yeah. to detox. And there's so many tools. There's bubble wrapping, oh, what's which that? is actually, so bubble wrapping is, say, if you know, you're going to be in a situation with many people I know mm. now because of COVID you know, we're not really around that many people, even if you have family members that could be a little challenging or toxic, mm -hmm. you could say, please bubble wrap me and protect me and mm -hmm. bounce off any negative energy back into the universe and only let me take in the positive mm -hmm. and repel the negative. Okay. You know, so there's different ways that you could bubble wrap and do energy healing. Also, there's Reiki. You could also... You yeah. know, there's YouTube's there or shot. I, I have clearing. a I have a few friends yeah. that practice energy, um, energy work and Reiki, and uh, it's fascinating. Just I, I remember in college the first time one of my friends, Lauren, um, did an energy test on me, and she, and I, literally ended up running backwards. I don't even remember this, like what she did or the circumstance, but she was like you're running backwards. Like you need to like take, slow down and like take care of yourself because mm -hmm. this is complete backward motion right now that's coming out of you. Um, and even just that acknowledgement, that slight, like that, that moment, taking that five minutes to do that test with her and just a slight wake up call of, okay, like there are some things I should maybe <laughs> change about my habits or address, you know, to, um, make each day easier or not even easier, but just more fulfilling, slightly better, just in the right direction. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think especially for people that don't journal or don't take that time, it can all feel like a big commitment that they're not ready for, but journaling doesn't have to be writing, you know, the dear diary all these things happened today and yesterday, and this is what's going on in my life. Sometimes I open my journal and I, I 
don't do it frequently enough, but I'll just write three sentences and then, um, Mm -hmm. and then that's it. But it gives my ideas and my thoughts a place to live when, you know, they are too scattered inside my own brain. So, but it's good to put, you know, your thoughts down on paper. And then for me too, when I tell my clients, you can let it go. Yeah. Say, if you have any fears or worries, there's something called a worry box, or you can call it anxiety box or a God box, you know, whatever you want. And I tell my clients, you know, write down, oh, I'm concerned about, you know, this job interview, please help me be grounded and centered and help me with it. And you fold the paper, mm-hmm. put it in the box. Mm-hmm. And that physical yeah. putting it in is like letting it go. You're right. physically letting it go. Right. And then put it on the shelf. I mean, I have a box myself. So I was told to do that 23 years ago when I first came, you know, into the rooms of recovery. And I still have all those papers in there. And one day I decided to go through it. And I'm like, oh my God, I was worried about this, about this, about this. Look how it all turned out. 23 years later. Wow. That must have been fascinating. Yes. Yes, I went through it and all the things that I was worried about were taken care of, which goes to show me, you know, we have this little saying called like worry is a rocking chair going nowhere. What is worry doing? It's just a loop in your head, these thoughts that aren't based in reality, usually, right. you know, worry about the future, you know, what's going to happen, you know? And we have no control over it. However, whatever we do today, you know, if you, we're trying to do the right thing, mm-hmm. then hopefully tomorrow, the right thing will happen. Yeah. You know? Wow. That, so that's that another tool. So, that must have been so interesting to, um, to unbox. Oh gosh. That's exciting. <laughs> I, I yes. noticed another saying, um, that you mentioned is frequently used in the rooms of recovery that describes uh an acronym for fine like i'm fine um and in your book you said fine is a recovery acronym that stands for effed up insecure neurotic and emotional and (laughs) yeah i kind of i kind of laughed when i first read it but it feels pretty accurate (laughs) right like i would just say to my clients we would do a check-in in the beginning of group Mm-hmm. You know, and I would say, so how are we doing? Fine. No, fine doesn't work. And I would say <laughs> that to them and they would laugh. I said a feeling because what happens is mm-hmm. you know, very often people are not in touch with their feelings, what they're feeling. Oh, I'm just fine. Or I'm okay. Yeah. What's really going mm-hmm. on? Meditation does help you get there as well. I didn't even, I've never thought about the fact that fine is not a feeling. <laughs> yes. It's not. So I've, n- I've never, it's never occurred to me. Wow. Wow. I just, just had an epiphany moment. I did. I did have an epiphany. <laughs> wow. So what um I know that yes. you said you work a lot with millennial women. What do mm-hmm. you think are some of the most like common challenges that millennial women are facing now? Or to that you notice? authentic and be true to themselves, you know, is number one I'm finding, you know, and like people pleasing, the saying no part. You know, very hard to say no, we're overextending themselves. You know, there's one millennial woman, you know, that I have in mind that is working. She's married. She has a baby. She's going to school and she has a side job. Wow. And how do you balance that? It's too much. 
you know, and I would say to her, well, let's look at the schedule and let's see what is something you can do. Well, she stopped working on Saturdays and Sundays. Like Sunday, she never worked, but she was working on Saturday because this woman she's working for needed her. And she says, you know what? I really can't. She goes, thank you, Wendy, that I had that to myself. Yeah. Self-care, you know, trying to balance all those balls. It's very, very difficult, you know, and another thing too, you know, that another motivational um, piece that had me, you know, write the book was because I knew in my 20s, 30s, 40s, even today, the things I wish I knew Mm -hmm. when I was younger, you know, and that's what motivated me to, you know, to write the book. I wish I knew it was okay, you know, to say no and go back to school, change my career. You know, my daughter, Jenna, at 27, went back to school to be a dental hygienist. And that was because she saw me Mm -hmm. go back to school and get my degree as a licensed social worker at 40. Wow. So you never, Mm -hmm. that's the thing, like you're never ever too old to learn, to grow, go back to school, change your career. It doesn't matter. Well, that was one of the reasons I even wanted to start this podcast in the first place, because Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm surrounded by a lot of fascinating people who have very different paths and have have very varied experiences that um, Mm -hmm. have led them to different places. And just reminding myself, constantly reminding myself that um, I can change my mind later. You know, I can do something different. And it's it's still all encompassing of me because it, it's just me. It's just Fiona. Um, and if my interests change in five years, it's not because like, I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't discredit anything I've done previously. It's just, I don't know the, the next chapter. So, but I have to remind myself of that all the time, you know, cause I, I think especially with social media and just, these carved out paths of success that you are kind of expected to fulfill, especially once you graduate. Um, the idea of change is so much more intimidating and, and not being where your peers are at any given point in time. It, it just starts to um, get to your head a bit, I think. Yes, you know, and that's the thing, you know, again, with the outsides and insides, When we look, when I tell my clients, looking at people on the outside, oh yes, they have this career, they're doing this, they're making money, but are they really happy? You don't know what their insides are like. You know, they might be hating going to work every day. They might hate being married to whoever they're married to. You know, when you said too, you can change your mind at any time. It's okay. You know, there's another little saying, you know, nothing is etched in stone. Mm. You know, you have a choice today, you know, and not to compare. I know it's really hard, especially with social media. You know, I really did not like social media at all. But once I wrote my book, I was told, hey, you need to get yourself out there, Mm -hmm. you know, to help people, you know, not even about the book in that way, but just that's how it all started. And now I get such great, you know, people, you know, texting me, direct messages, calling me and saying, oh my God, you helped me so much. And that's all I wanted. You know, I told my friend, all I want is to help one person more than I am in a a different arena. And I am, you know, Mm -hmm. more than that. 
And that was really the goal because you know what? If I stayed in the, in the little box that my parents put me in and my husband, I wouldn't be here today. Where would I have been? Right. Probably still drinking, being unhappy and unfulfilled. Yeah. Well, um, just to touch on the social media a bit, mm-hmm. you have mm-hmm. clients or you see this in millennial women of um, like struggling to set boundaries with social media or to use it properly or for their own wellness rather than for comparison and just all the toxic things that it can bring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry. The question, the question. Um, just if you see that in your clients as well, struggling with that at all. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. You know, interesting. You know, I had a client I talked about in my book, you know, and when mm-hmm. I talk in my book about the clients, you know, there's you know names have been changed. Right. You know, I asked for permission to right. do so. You know, but there was a client, you know, who, you know, had her boyfriends and then she'll look on there and she'll see pictures of him with another girl and she'll freak out, you know, and I'm like, hey, you know, you didn't want to be in this relationship anyway. And you know what? How about, how about it's all ego, right? It's all ego. You don't even, Uh, you didn't want the person you broke up with the person, you know, and she gets so upset. So I said, forget it, you know, block him. Yeah. So she would block him and then she would go back and unblock him to look <laughs> at things, you know, and then her friends would send her pictures even when she blocked it. I said, tell your friends boundary. Please don't tell me about so-and-so. Please don't send me pictures. And then her friends had to listen. But, you know, some part of her liked the drama. You know, sure. we could get addicted to drama. Right. You know, so understanding that, like, whoa, what's my motive? Why am I doing this? It's making me feel horrible. Yeah. So why why would you keep checking it unless you like to feel horrible? Right. When things get too uh, <laughs> too mundane, there's like a bit of self sabotage <laughs> that creeps in. Right. Creating your it's own normal chaos and drama. Right. Yeah. Adrenaline. <laughs> yeah. 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 I. I mean, I see that among my friends too, and. I, it's it's so normal, but it's just such a relatively new thing to navigate. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Setting up boundaries. I mean, I I can see it with like you know in your book, your transparency with your experiences. I'm sure has been insanely helpful to all your clients and all the people that you talk with and and share your story to. Um, but then also finding your own boundaries to not be the source all the time for other people's, you know, wellness, that must be challenging too. Do you, do you ever experience that? Yes. Especially now more so than ever, yeah. you know, because I was never really on social media. So now I'm bombarded and I have to learn that balance, you know, and I can get burnt out, you know? Um, so they always say you teach what you need the most, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so these reminders remind me as well, you know, hey, put the phone away. And I want to help people, you know, but I'll say, you know what, another time, let's set up a time to talk, right. you know, and doing all that. And it is challenging because I do love helping people. Yeah. You know, I feel great doing it. And I love when they say, oh, God, I did what you told me to do. And I feel so much better. A friend of mine, she said to me, oh, I'm doing this new dance now. 
I'm doing the dance with my mom. She doesn't like it. She hung up on me. <laughs> so what's going to happen? That's yeah. going to happen at first because people don't know who you are. Yeah. You know, and I have to do it as well. You know, it's a practice, a daily practice. Given how much you have, um, how many challenges you face and how much you have changed, how much do you still feel like the quote unquote old Wendy? Like how, how much do you still feel like that person at this point? Well, the old Wendy can come back if I'm not taking care of myself and I can get caught up in it. You know, the addictive personality can show up in workaholism. Mm. You know, I could sit and just constantly, you know, write posts and do writing and speaking to people and helping others. And I can lose myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, it totally comes back. That's why I need to do a lot of work, consistently right. doing the work. Right. You know, after 23 years, I still go to recovery meetings, you know, three times a week or more, yeah. you know, speaking to my sponsor, helping others, you know, in and out of the rooms, you know, doing all that, but learning how to balance it with, you know, my new career. Yeah. You know, so... It's ongoing. I'm still there. I'm still there. Someone once said, it's so funny. Someone once um, said to me, yes, our character defects are buried alive. Mm. They're still there. Even, you know, constantly working on yourself, they still come back. You know, we're works in progress, progress, not perfection. I would say to my clients, take the stick, hit yourself with a feather. Be Mm. gentle with yourself. You know, yeah. be kind, be gentle, like you would, you know, your best friend. Like, okay, whoops, I did it again. All right, I can make an amends. I can apologize. You know, why did I lose my temper? Mm-hmm. You know, what's going on? You know, and constantly pausing and reevaluating, you know, yourself. a lot of like self awareness, mm-hmm. self evaluation, it sounds like. Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, um, I am so excited that we got to do this. Thank you so much for being um, so forthcoming and so honest and transparent and kind. Um, (laughs) And I just want to give you the opportunity to remind people where they can buy your book and where they can find you on social media. Okay, so um, Wendy Behar is where you could find me on Instagram, on Facebook. Twitter and LinkedIn. And my book is on Amazon and it's called hashtag your rules, your life, Y-O-U-R-R-U-L-E-S, Y-O-U-R-L-I-F-E. Because a lot of times when I talk, I say your rules, like, huh, what? (laughs) So it's your rules, your life, which means take control of your life, you can create new rules. You can live an authentic life. It's totally possible. You're never too old to change. You know, here I am at 59 years old, started a new career, you know, published a book. I never thought that would ever happen. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah. No way. You know, so it's like, just keep on your path, left foot, right foot, just keep going, you know, and my book is like, like 95 pages, really simple really simple and relatable, you know, and I just hope it helps you that that's the goal, 
you know, to help you and support you and to realize you're never alone. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again. I'm, I'm very happy to have you here. And thank you for asking. And I think you're awesome. And I'm <laughs> thank so you. proud of you. <laughs> thank I you. I really am. So just keep on going on your path. You have your journey. It's better than you ever can imagine. As long as you follow your heart and I you follow that. your truth and don't listen to the outside forces, social media, just keep on your path, you know, and, and be with supportive, loving people that are on the same journey as you. I will. I will. Okay. Great. And I hope you, you still call me. Oh, I absolutely <laughs> will. I absolutely will. I know. I, I'm so glad that um, we were introduced and have gotten the opportunity to get to know one another. It, it means a lot to me. Yeah, there are no coincidences. You know, I believe everyone in our life, you know, is there for a reason, yeah. a season or a lifetime with everybody, even the people who say, oh, God, well, you learned something from that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want that type of person in my life or I have to limit time with that person, you know. Sure. So everybody in our life is there for, for a reason, you know, and I just hope everybody keeps safe and healthy and, you know, going forward, you know, taking care of yourself in these crazy times, mm-hmm. you know, um, and just be true to you as best as you can. Thank you, Wendy. And thank you all for listening to this episode of Thoughtful Intentions. I'm your host, Fiona Winch, and I was joined today by Wendy Behar. Make sure to check out her book, Hashtag Your Rules, Your Life, and keep up with the Thoughtful Intentions podcast Instagram account to keep an eye out for